Good evening, everyone. Welcome back in the studio. Baruch Hashem. So, welcome to the Thursday night class. This is going to be part two of the discourse we began learning last week in Shir Hashirim in the end of Lukuti Torah. Um, page 88 is where we're holding. Daf Mem Dalid Amid Dalid is where we're holding. We were learning the verse. We connected it to last week, where last week it discusses the um, whole story of the reunification of Yosef and his brothers. And there's a verse in the Song of Songs in which we say, If only God, you will be like a brother to me. Who nurses from my mother. Um, I will give you to drink. From spiced wine. And from my pomegranate juice. And then we say, I will find you. This is what the bride says to the groom in the Song of Songs. It's a love song. I will find you outside. I will kiss you. Oh, I forgot. This is verse. This is part of the verse that says before, before, after. It says, "I will give you to drink." It says, "Haviyeni, I will bring you a cheder imi to my mother's chamber, a base imi to my mother's house, uslam deini, and you will teach me." And then it says, "Am ta'acha b'chutz, I will find you outside. Ashakech, I will kiss you." They will not either shame me or they will not continue to rob me. Obviously, you need commentary on what this means, but we're learning the deeper, the deeper inner uh, explanation of this as this refers to our souls and our connection to God. In last week's class, we were learning that when we say, if only you can be our brother, is because we do find that the relationship of the Jewish people to God, in addition to being like children to a father and like subjects to a king or like a wife to a husband, it's also a relationship of siblings. In that case, we would either be the brothers of Hashem or we would be considered his sister. And he is our brother. So what is the significance of brother? So he began to explain that there's two types of souls, the two types of of service, of worship to Hashem, of connecting to God. One is the service of the tzaddikim, the saintly people, and the other one is the service of the bali tshuva, the penitents. He introduced the discourse right in the beginning by by bringing sources, which one is superior, which one is higher. There are sources that say that being a tzaddik is greater. Like it says... Um, when God consulted whether to create or not create the world, he consulted with the souls of the righteous, of the tzaddikim. Being that that's the case, it implies, it doesn't say that he consulted with the souls of the bali tshuva, of the penitents, of the returnees. On the other the sage, other hand, the sages tell us, the place that the Balchuva, that the penitent stands, even the perfect tzaddik can stand. 
So he said, which means that they both have a certain quality. The tzaddik has a certain quality that the Balchuva doesn't have, that the penitent doesn't have, and the penitent has a certain quality that the tzaddik doesn't have. We last week learned the quality of the tzaddik. What did we learn? So we learned that tzaddikim are called tzaddikim, which means saintly, but also means the righteous. Um, from the word tzedek, tzedek, righteousness, righteousness, tirdov. And the root of it is really the root is the word, the word is tzedakah. Tzedakah means charity. And the reason why tzaddikim are called tzaddikim is because they are, their business, they're occupied their entire life in either doing charity or in doing all the other mitzvahs which have the same nature and the same spiritual effect like charity in the general. And what is that? The notion of charity means uh, to bestow and to give to the one that doesn't have, the one that's lacking. And, um, and therefore, in front of God, everybody's lacking. And the world's, especially down, down, down below, is lacking, is in darkness, is lacking divine revelation. And the work of giving tzedakah spiritually, when we, give, when we do tzedakah down here below, in the material world, when we do tzedakah, Uh, yes, Matzah uh, Shabbos this past Saturday night, we had a Malava Malka, a special Saturday night meal to accompany the queen. And we spoke about uh, Remichel of Zlachif. So I said a lot of stories, and this is one that I forgot to say, or forgot, but didn't come out. So I'll share it with you now. That his wife was once having a hard time with their with their state of poverty. Um, my son-in-law reached... Uh, um, alerted me to the fact that Ramichal in the end of his life became, he asked me, is it true that Ramichal in the end of his life, end of his life, in his later years, uh, became pretty affluent? I don't know the story of how, but yes, I did read that. That his poverty was in his early his, in his earlier years, and then he became pretty wealthy. What exactly it was that brought him his wealth, I don't know. So things improved for the family. It's nice to hear. But in any case, his wife was having a pretty rough time, and she complained that, how come this is our lot? So he said to her, I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm going to ask, it's a good question. She says, you know, you're right. Let me check out, let me check in with my sources. So he checked in up there in heaven. He used to ask questions and communicate. And he got an answer. The answer they told him was that he's poor because God set up the world that there has to be rich and poor. There can't be a world where everybody's rich. And the Midrash, and he brings a Midrash, where the Midrash says that once there was a city, a, a country in which they decreed a, a, a certain, um, a certain, um, a certain, uh, 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 what you might call it, a, a, uh, a new, a new, um, why can't I find the word? a new style of life, of a new a new setup. The king decreed that all the monies of the of the kingdom have to be equally divided. A, a form of communism. Everybody's going to be equal and fine. There will be no rich and poor anymore. And okay, everybody was happy. And it was like, great, because there were no poor people. 
But then in the end, what happened was there was no one, the, the garbage started piling up. And garbage and garbage and garbage it was terrible. And the stench it was impossible to live there. Because what happened is, since everybody had equal status, no one wanted to do the lower jobs. Cleaning, taking out the trash. And being that in this world there are all kinds of jobs that need to get done, the Midrash says, so God made those that are richer, those that are poorer, and the poor need to do different jobs, and the rich, everybody, everybody has their role to play. There's the Midrash's explanation that there has to be higher rungs of society and the lower rungs of society. So everything is able to be tended to. So he basically said, since there needs to be rich and poor, so we, we are, so we're from the poor. So she said them, but I don't understand. How come it's, we ended up on the poor side? If there has to be rich and poor, why can't we be from the rich? And how did we end up that my entire life, I'm on this side of the aisle? He says, I'll check. I'll check. <laughs> so it's interesting. The same thing is the story with the Rebbe Marash. He said a whole mimer once. That the poor man has a complaint. Yes, there has to be rich and poor. The reason we learn in the mimer there has to be rich and poor so that people can give tzedakah, that the world stands on tzedakah, so therefore on charity. So that's why there has to be rich and poor. But over there it says that the poor man's cry is exactly what this woman is saying. Good for the for the world to be... To be um, for, to the, there should be merit in the world. There has to be givers and receivers. But the poor man cries out, why do I have to end up with the lot as being the receiver? That's the tefillah that's, that's the la'ani We once learned the whole discourse on it. But he said he's going to check. So then he checked again. He came back there and he said, well, I'll tell you what it is. The money, the source of the hashpa, of the, in, of the influence, doesn't want to go down. It only wants to go up. So if we would be the ones who who are the are are given are given the money as the rich people, and we would have to give it to the poor, that would mean that the monies coming from us would have go to a much lower state. I mean that's the whole point of tzedakah that it goes to a lower place. But we see he meant spiritually that if he's rich, then the money who's in the hands of the tzaddik and the righteous person is going to be given to the poor. And the poor is not going to be on the level, on the spiritual level of Ramichal of Zlachish. So the monies are going to end up having a yerida, going to have a descent, not an ascent. They're going to go down. So therefore, since the money wants to have an aliyah, so therefore it goes first for the rich people that are really in a much lower spiritual level than us. And then from us, it goes up. The monies are happy because they go; they end up ascending high. So I guess all the more reason that she should be happy that her husband is a tzaddik. If her husband wouldn't be such a tzaddik, then uh, maybe the money can travel down. The money can travel <laughs> to them, them, from them to others. But he's a big tzaddik, so what can she do? That was the answer he gave. Just thought it was interesting. In any case, what we're learning over here, the main primary idea of tzedakah is that you're bringing down life to a place that's lacking. And, and therefore, that's what all the mitzvot do. They bring God down and they bring about what we learned last week is called dira b'tachtoinim, a dwelling place in the law. And in the words of the Altar Rebbe, this is the classic Altar Rebbe's teaching, that 
which we learned in hundreds and hundreds of discourses, that creation on its own is considered very, very, very nothing to God. Creation on its own, as it says, Marabu Masecha Hashem, with all the multitudes of creations. And, and when we say multitudes of creation, we don't only mean the billions and un, un, uncountable amount of different creatures that there are in the plant and the in the in the in the insect world and the animal world and the in the mineral world. It's it's endless. It's endless. And how many stars and galaxies and it's not not countable to be able to appreciate the vastness of creation. But we also mean we also mean how many is that the word that our creation exists on multi-levels. And those multi-rungs, multi-level means everything existing on a lower world exists also in a higher realm, in a more spiritual way. And in that higher world, it exists even in a more higher world, in a higher level. And so it goes high and high and high and high. Yet we're learning, notwithstanding the multitudes of levels which go into the billions of worlds that are stacked up on top of each other, no matter how high you go, to the unimaginable sublime levels, they're all b'chachma asisa, they're considered just an action. Why are they considered just an action? Because just like we explained last week, that a single action that a person does has very little has very little um, um, intelligence and inner inner human in an external action that a person does. Well, last week we gave an example, especially when a person is doodling, or when you're when you're when you're when a person could be deeply involved in something, and matter of factly, they could be you know um, um, uh, uh, smudging a paper, a little piece of paper, like what of their of their true self, of their higher being, is being is end, is going into this action. It's nothing of nothing of nothing of them. Although they're doing it, but there's no there's no substance of 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 their of the quality of who they are that's to be found in that action. In that sense, notwithstanding the fact of how unbelievable the creation is, and how completely mind-blowing even the tiniest creatures are let alone the 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 cosmos and the super cosmos and all this it's it's like it's crazy yet all of them together is not even a a a it doesn't have anything of god it's nothing but that's that's the way it is on its own but then hashem wants to have a home in this world which means he wants to come down entirely into this world, into this nothing of an existence, created with nothing of his light. He wanted us to invite him in so that he can fully manifest his entire self into this world. And last week, yeah, and, 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 and how does that happen? And that charge was given to us. That charge was given to us That we can bring him down in a way that he should actually insert himself into this world. And he does throw in, 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 in the three stages. In, creation is divided primarily in three primary ranges. Creation, formation, and, 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 and action. Bria, Yetzirah, or, or, or creation, formation, and completion. 
which is which is the material world, our world, the lower world, and 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 which correspond to thought, speech, and action. So we were learning yesterday that we not yesterday last week that we have the ability to to align our thoughts with God's thoughts and to align our speech with God's speech and to align our our actions with God's actions and what we and and and, and therefore when we when we open ourselves when we open our minds up our thoughts up to to think God's thoughts through the understanding of Torah and to speak God's words through the speech of Torah and to do God's deeds through the actions of mitzvahs, it's not only that we are doing something godly, but we are actually allowing God to enter (laughs) into us, through us, manifest himself into existence, into creation. And that's the thought, speech, and action of mitzvahs. What's happening then? What's happening is that the infinite abstract God, who is infinitely above creation, is compressing himself into the universe, into the into the form that we are forming ourselves. We're, we're creating the shell of it, and he's entering into our, we create the, the, the physical human and our psyche creates the spiritual human vessel and God manifests as a human. Now we know that in, in Atsilus, God does manifest initially as a human. But a very, very, very infinite beyond human, which we have no, no, no concept of. But Hashem doesn't even want to remain in Atsilus. Shem wants to come down into the creation state. And that is when we study Torah, thought, speech, and action, bringing God down, he enters into complete manifestation into our world. And we learned last week, even though it says in the verse, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So how in the world are we going to think his thoughts? How in the world are we going to speak his speech? How in the world are we going to act his act? Doesn't seem like something like this is possible. So that we learned last week that that's the continuation of the verse. And your ways are not my ways. That's an explanation. That's saying, when are my thoughts not your thoughts? When am I infinitely above your thinking and your speaking and your experiences when your ways are not my ways? But when your ways are my ways, like we learned in the beginning of the discourse, that's what tzedakah means. That's what a tzaddik means. These are the road builders who create derech havaya. Tzedakah is called uh, v'shamru derech Hashem. Uh, the, 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 like Hashem says to Abraham, I love him. I lo- about Abraham, I love Abraham. Because he's going he's gonna to command his children to observe the ways of God. To do tzedakah. That means when we do tzedakah, we create a road for God to travel from beyond the cosmos into the cosmos. Not to shine his light. That's the most important idea. Because the shining of the light happens without, that's at the time of creation, Hashem allowed a ray of his to create the world. That's not the point of it. It's to get, it's allow God to get intimate to, with the world. Allow Hashem to manifest, to, to infuse himself, his entire self, 
into the creation. So when are my thoughts and my speech and my actions infinitely above yours when your ways are not my ways? But when your ways are my ways, which comes through, here's the thing, it's not just enough to learn Torah and do mitzvot. One has to learn Torah and do mitzvot like a tzaddik. And what is that? The, 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 what germinates everything, the seed of it all, the, what prompts it all, is first the feeling of absolute nothingness in front of God. In other words, when one recognizes how the self, and even if the self manages to accumulate great wealth, and even if you have everything in the universe, you still have nothing. Because the sum totality of all of existence is one big zero in front of God. Zero, literally zero. And, and then, so you crave, you want something real. And that's the craving of a tzaddik. So, for, so the, it's, it's two things. It's the yearning and it's also the, 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 the God cannot dwell where there is a, a sense of importance. Where there is inflated self, God cannot dwell. Total antithesis to God is, 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 is feeling the self-importance, the self. So, but once one recognizes the utter nothingness in front of Hashem, like we're learning also in our, in our Hasidic discourse that we're studying now in the Mashiach discourse, we're learning all about the levels of nothingness, which is going to go way, way deeper even than we're learning, than we're, than we're holding by now. So when you want a person, that's what a tzaddik is, someone who recognizes the the meaninglessness of all of existence in front of God. So there is absolute humility. In that humility, there's now space. When you empty yourself out of self, you create an empty space. Now God can fill that space. And then when, you, when you're studying Torah, both in thought and in speech, and then in action, then one merits to serve as a funnel and as a channel through which the divine can manifest. We're through the channel of each and every one of us. And then God is called our brother. Why is he called our brother? For two reasons. One reason I saw in the Tzemach Tzedek, he doesn't say those words in the Mimer of Yehemlokuti Torah, but in the Tzemach Tzedek's discourse, in one of the lines he throws in, he says a few things there, but this is one of the lines. One of the lines are, because just like siblings, they live in one house. So before, before um, until, until the Torah is given, and until we, the Torah is given is not enough, until we activate the Torah, until the tzaddikim come in every generation and live a complete Torah existence, a Torah life, they hollow themselves out of personal, of self, of, of self-pursuits. And they live just, to flow godliness into the world. So until that time, we live in, in planet universe. This is our residence. Like it says in the Pasuk, Hashemayim Shemayim Lashem, the heavens are the heavens to God. And the earth he gave to man. So humans live on earth. And when we say humans, I mean angels and everybody. We all live in the, in the ranges of creation. And where is God? God is above the world. He's, he's, he's outside of the, entire, of the entire cosmic order. He's above. He's infinite. He's higher than everything. 
So we said earlier, to him, creation is just a little action. A little mindless action is all of, is all of creation, everything that's in it. So we don't, we're not living in one house. We're not living in one resident. But when we draw him down to have a home in this world, so we share the same home. So we're siblings living in one house. We share the same bedroom. Really cool. That's one meaning of like being my brother. Or even deeper than that. He's being funneled into our thoughts through our thoughts. So we're like twins. To Umasi, we look exactly like him. Because our thoughts, our actions, and our activities are all the same. You ever see two twins they, that are, especially if they're Siamese twins, the parents dress them the same. They, 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 and you can't tell the difference. I still go to my uh, sister's home in Crown Heights from time to time. I have nieces that are now over bas mitzvah, 12 years old. I go there. I've given up a long time. I have no idea which one is which. <laughs> I say hi. I usually don't say their name because I won't know which one. It's embarrassing for me. But this happens. They look very much the same. I have no idea. So, um, and they're always together. They're always like, they're locked, locked together like this. It's really cool. I guess the parents could tell the difference, but I can't. But in any case, um, when we look exactly like God, he's coming through us. We're thinking his thoughts. We're acting his thoughts. He's, he's our brother. We're equal. Okay. This is a summary of what we learned till now. Now, let's continue. But we don't just say, Who will give you to be like a brother? Now, here's the thing. When was the time that we were the most, God was like a brother to us, to the biggest degree? The time that this was, the time the temple stood. Because then the Jewish people were fully tuned in. And there were many tzaddikim channeling God. And God was in a state of manifestation into the world. The time of exile, we're going to see about that later, God withdraws back into the infinite. He's not so much in a manifest presence in the world. So that's why we're wishing, if only you can be again like our brother, be, be present in this world, we can, we can tap you through seeing you in your Torah, in your, your will, God is flowing, the channels of the divine are flowing into the world. But now let's understand what does it mean. Who nurses from the breast of my mother. Who nurses the breast from my breast of my mother. This is by way of analogy. Just like through the nursing, what happens to the child. The child grows in the 24 months of the nursing. We find that a baby grows during the first 24 months of nursing. The baby, I'm not sure exactly, but I would imagine that a baby quadruples its size in, in, in the first two years. There is no period of growth in a person's life um, that is... That is um, com- uh, that is equal, that level of growth that you grow in the first 24. The expansion of the human body is the quickest and the fastest, the most expansive time in in a person's life, physically and probably psychologically as well. When you learn the most, 
when you double your intake, your double, quadruple your experience in such a short period of time. You learn most of the things when you're such a when a little, and then later it's just slow growth. The growth slows down physical and mentally. The growth is much much less, but then it's like super growth, and that has to do with the mother's milk. And the growth that happens through the nursing is not in any way comparable to any other period in the rest of the years of a person's life. So now we're talking about God coming down and being born as our little baby brother. In other words, we are living here first. I mean, he placed us here. Now we want to invite him into the world as a human. When we invite him into the world as a human, I don't mean as a physical human being, but God becomes in the in the image of human through his Torah. Torah is in the shape of a human. There are 613 commandments which correspond, which are made up of 248 positive commandments corresponding to the 248 limbs of a human. And 365 prohibitive commandments corresponding to the blood vessels and arteries in a human. And that's why the Zohar refers to the mitzvot, the commandments, as the 248 limbs of the king. Because prior to the mitzvahs, God is completely in the abstract, utterly unknowable, undefinable. But he lowers himself down to have a presence in the world, in the Torah. The Torah is God's psyche. But the Torah is God's psyche pertaining to investing himself into a world. God has likes and dislikes, just like the human, the human, human psyche. We have likes and dislikes, all kinds of complex emotions, things that trigger us like this and tr- things that trigger us like that, things that we are that we're that we you know areas of our compassion things that we're that we're passionate about things that we're disgusted of through the torah we draw god into a manifest person within the universe and he has things that he really loves and things that he really hates and despises and we bring him into a state of compassion and caring and into a rea- into a full-fledged manifest relationship not above the world but being present in the world so the first thing is to bring him to a state of connection. Now to bring God into a state of connection from total abstraction into being born into the universe, that we do primarily through prayer, not yet through learning. It's explained in Hasidus and different Maimarim that we learned that through the Mesiris Nefesh, through the experience of prayer and the soul is experiencing the the dissolving when the soul dissolves into the oneness of god related to what we learned earlier about 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 the soul recognizing that all of existence is not and nothing just a zero literally nothing not, not figuratively nothing literally nothing and when we say nothing as much as we imagine nothing just amplify that a billion and a half times more nothing and, and, and that's just a limited number. So as much nothing we can now imagine how nothing the universe is, we don't even begin to understand even a tiny bit how nothing. Because we're thinking, oh, come on. It's, the universe is like, oh, it's awesome. It's crazy what's there out there. 
So say it's kind of because it's a little bit like nothing. No. Any nothing we know of is not the nothing that we're talking about. We don't even have a, an example of nothing to the level of nothing that we're talking about. Zero nothing. Oh, and if this is the case, so when we realize that, and the soul therefore wants to break free of living trapped in the nothingness and seeks to draw, if I know you are the true being, so so come my way, come my way. We want to pull him down. We want to pull, we want to literally pull God into the world. That yearning and that total melting out of existence, that's what triggers the birth, the baby to be born. You know, it's got to enter into the into the sphere of creation. But just like when a baby is born, it's undeveloped. Or it's tiny. The baby is still is there. It's, it's, it has already a full potential. But it needs the nursing period. And the nursing period is going to bring an, ex, an expansion to open up all the limbs and to develop them to a, to a full... That the, that the little scrunchy, little, you know, compact baby should become a little menchula, which means a little human being. And then once you finish nursing, you're already a human being. Then you grow, but you're already a you're already a full fledged human at two years old. But before that, when you're a little tiny baby, so of course you're human, but it's it's too compact. Then it develops, and all the everything everything comes into manifestation. So here is the next job after we bring God from beyond the universe down into a manifest presence into the human state, which are the spheroid, the attributes, infuse him into the attributes, we now, we now need to cause expansion in the attributes. And how do we do that? We need to bring God, so to speak, to nurse from his mother. So what does that mean, God is nursing from his mother? Who's God's mother? <laughs> So when we say God is becoming human, primarily we mean we're bringing Hashem down into an emotional structure. The main skeleton, let me explain something. The main skeleton of Torah are the six orders of the Mishnah. All of Torah is built around the six orders of the Mishnah. Because the mission is the is the is the root of Torah Shabbat, the entire oral law. And the Mishnah has six sections to it. Those six sections are really a description of God's six emotions. One is the emotion of kindness, the other one is the emotion of judgment, the other is the emotion of compassion, the other is the emotion of victory and perseverance, the other is the emotion of sub, of glory. And the last one is the emotion of, of uh, foundation. These are four, six emotions which make up the universe, the six directions of the universe. But in the Torah, it's not, it's not creation emotions, it's God's emotions. And simply, what is the Mishnah telling us? It's taking you in a tour of God's psyche. You're getting to see what he likes, what he dislikes what he is fond of, what he's not fond of, 
what he approves of, what he doesn't approve of, what he thinks is cool and neat, and what he thinks is horrible and disgusting. That's and that's basically kosher, not kosher. Pure, not pure. Guilty, innocent. Permitted, prohibited. These are all divine emotions. So the main human, and that's what it means to live with someone. You know, when you live with someone in marriage, for instance, it's not, it's not chavrusa. It's nice to have to study as well. The intellect is not the place where the main relationship manifests. It's the emotions. To your spouse, you have to care what your spouse likes and dislikes. Very, very deeply. If to tune into each other's emotions, if it's the one place you're allowed to be open with your emotionally vulnerable and open in your emotions is with your, with, with your spouse. That's the space of the relationship. So when we're talking about bringing God into the human condition, it means developing God's emotions. Now let's think about a child. When a child is born, they have a certain essential character, which is which is certain you know elements in which a type of person that they are. But it, and, and every person is different. You know, some person people are going to be very loving people. Other people are going to be very discipline, disciplining and very judge, judging type of people. Other people are going to be very compassionate. Other people are going to be enormously go-getters and persevering and stubborn. Others are going to be very submissive. Others are going to make very deep connections and bonding, which is the idea of, of foundation. And, 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 and all of us have all these emotions, but the question is the blends and the so forth. So every person immediately when you're born already has a certain disposition in, 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 in essential character. But it's, it's the child rearing and it's the exposure of what you get exposed to and the people you're around and the education and the parents, which are going to help bring it all out into a full-fledged, rich, emotional, structured human being. Certain negative emotions need to be nipped in the bud. Certain things need to be, um, you know, restrained and and hopefully de-defused and de-energized. And energies need to be channeled to shape and to form the child. But what we understand is that the potential emotions that are there, they're already there. It's like in the micro, in the micro, there's already a whole full full human being there. But it's the tw- twenty four months of 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 um, that a mother takes care and nurses the child that really opens the child up like a flower. And it, and it grows and it blossoms. The emotions blossom. So the same is with God. We want to get God involved and very manifest and very... We want God to have an opinion about everything so that he can fully live over here. Not that God says, I'm God, I don't care. I don't care. So what do you care? What do you care if if I, if I, if I, if, if, if what's going on in my kitchen? If if I have this, I couldn't care less. I'm God. I'm so high. What do I think I care about your spoons and knives and the milchiks and the fleshiks and the milk and the and the, the dairy and the meat? And I think I care about 
about about about what's going on in your wardrobe or I care about what's going on in your business. I couldn't care less. I'm I'm like God, I'm infinitely above it. That's not a, that's not him having a home in this world. That's not him being invested. Him being invested is we want him to have an opinion about everything. We don't really only want him to have an opinion. We want him to be emotionally fully engaged and involved. We want God to be pumping, pumping with us all day long. I love that line, pumping with us all day long. That's what we want. God's passion should flow. Wow, what kind of universe is going to be when the infinite is literally involved, invested, engaged, and everything that's going on, not withdrawn. When God is withdrawn, the whole world is lethargic. Everything is three quarters dead. When Mashiach comes, we're not going to believe what kind of pumping world it's going to be. What kind of energy we're going to shoot out of bed in the morning. We're going to like, I promise you, you're going to almost like hit the roof. The moment you wake up, it's like gonna be, you're going to have to hold on to your bed, not to fly and hit the roof. Because the energy is going to be pulsating. Everything. Hello to people is going to be full of hello. <laughs> The, the love, when you meet someone, you hug them, you'll hold on to them for like 10 minutes, not leaving go, because you feel love. You feel alive. You feel when you see comp- compassion is with the intensity of the compassion. We'll all be a little crazy when Mashiach But it's not going to be crazy because everybody's going to be pumping. Because the world is going to be pumping with, with powerful energy. Because God is fully invested and flowing in the universe in a manifest state. In that sense, we need to bring God to grow the baby. It's not enough that he touches down into the universe and the potential, uh, I slightly have a little bit of a feeling towards this or towards that. We want these, the, the divine emotions to be open up and to flower. How does that happen? Well, the same way it happens to a baby. How does a baby, it nurses from its mother. So God needs to get milk from his mother. When we say God's mother, what is that mean? The emotional structure of God is called HaKadosh Baruch The mother, that's the emotions. Bina is the mother. Bina is the, Bina is the intellectual aspect. That's the source of the emotions. So what does it mean by God? We need we need Bina to deliver milk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the divine human for him to expand. So what does that mean? Well, Bina means understanding. So let me give an example. If you asked me about... Um, I don't know, let's say tennis. Or, yeah, tennis is a good thing. There are people that are huge followers of of the sport of tennis. They know the players. They watch the, I think it's called the Open. I forgot what they call it. The, uh, the this, the that. What are the, what are the tennis um, tournaments? And they're cool. And they and they're and they're fully have a lot of emotion in terms of who they follow, who they're and they can't wait for it and they spend money buying tickets and they'll go dry on tennis and talk about football. 
how many people are who know every who know all aspects of the sports of football in America and soon is coming the Super Bowl how excited people are I have zero feeling for it zero why because I never invested my mind into it I never gave it five minutes of my thinking for whatever reason it just never it never caught my attention and never I never you know, a lot, you know, opened my mind up to it. And therefore, it never, it never trickled down to my emotions. I'm sure, if I would read a few books on on football or on tennis or on something like that, and I'll get a sense of the sport and the game, and the and I'll watch a couple of games, knowing all of this, I might get completely caught up in it. Yeah, there's a certain time I, I, I years ago that I followed baseball for a while, and I was very you know, caught up in it. And I would sit an hour after I arrived home and I would still sit in the car listening to the baseball game during the World Series. And I couldn't leave. I had, I had to hear what's going on. Because I was, I, I, it caught me. I got emotionally invested in it. So I understand the concept. But I haven't given it my mind. So we, to feed the emotions, in order to feed the emotions, you have to put your head into it. And in this case, that's called the nursing. There has to be a flow of mother's milk, of bina, bina milk, has to go down into the emotions and feed these emotions. So how do we get the bina? How do we get bina, the divine bina, to feed, to feed the emotions, the divine emotions that God should take an interest in the world? in all the aspects of creation so that this baby can grow, not be withdrawn, but engaged and involved. Well, we pump the milk. How do we pump the milk? When we study Torah. Torah is that is that intelligence. When we study the Torah, when we give the 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 when, we, when we're learning the Torah, so we're, we're investing our minds into these subjects. And when we invest our minds into these subjects, God invests his mind into the subject. See, we're, we, we're intrinsically bond up with each other. So when we put our minds into the subject of Torah, and God puts his mind into the subject of Torah, and we intensive. God is always thinking Torah, but we're um, we are increasing it a billion because we are. That's how we he wired himself up with us. And as a result of that, we bring this milk to flow to nurse the emotions. And to develop the emotions. Now, there's something else to bina. There is something else to bina. In addition to Bina being the milk, and the milk is Torah Shabal Peh, as he's going to explain. It's the, it's the oral Torah. And when we study it, and when we learn it, we're, we're, we're pumping that flow of divine intelligence to support the divine emotions, to bring God into the human state, to bring God into an invested state into the universe. But Bina is also called Ema Banim Semecha. The mother of the children is joyous. 
That means Bina is the source of joy, of Simcha, of joy. Like we know that when we discover something, we feel a thrill, but when we fully comprehend something, we feel joy. So the, 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 when, when there is a full, rich comprehension of something, it makes us happy. Now, mother, joy, which is attributed to Bina, has to have, see, what, what's one of the mother's main function for her child is nursing. As much as a mom takes care of a child after the nursing period, in a sense, you know, if the mother, for whatever reason, is not there, God forbid, the husband, the father can still take care of the children. Very, very, it's a very, very undesirable state and very difficult, but it's possible. But for the first two years during the nursing, I mean, of course, today I have formula and all that stuff, but in concept, during the time, you know, the mother is like absolutely pivotal during the first two years. That's when only she could contribute. The man can't nurse, the mother can provide the milk. So, mother is Bina, and we said Bina is the source of joy. So, there must be a connection with joy. And nursing. Because that's the mother's role and Bina is joy. Well, let's think about it. What does joy do in a person? What's the difference of when a person is kind of just simply living or when you're experiencing joy in your life? What does joy, what, what is it, the main effect of joy? The effect of joy is that it turns on the volume and the energy flow increases in a human being from a two all the way up to a seven and eight. It's like when you're joyous, there's there's energy. You're pumping. We spoke about earlier about pumping. Joy is like, it releases energy. And what it does is it causes everything to expand. When there is no joy, every the the, the 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 feelings, the emotions, the properties of the soul become clamped shut, and, the, and, and especially a depressed person, everything is suppressed in a depressed person. A regular person has some juice flowing, which means the the feelings, the there are, are they can feel. You can feel, depressed, you don't feel much. You have emotions, but it's all suppressed. It's all it's all shut down. When a person is a regular state, then you feel the emotions, but the volume is kind of toned down. When you're joyous, everything you feel intensely. Your love is intense. Even your hate is intense. Because there's an open heart. There's a... And therefore, compassion is strong. Joy is like an opener. Well, that's exactly what the milk does. It opens up the child. So it seems like in the formula that mothers nurse their baby, they're nursing their baby with joy. We once discussed that really the root of the milk is real pleasure. The light, the real, she's nursing really, pleasure and joy go hand in hand. So it's a a, a very pleasurable experience to the child. 
It's a joyous experience. And that's the reason psychologically it opens up the child and physically as well. And it creates. In that sense, for us to bring God into a developed growth, especially if we want full-fledged expansion, investment, engagement of God into the universe, it's through studying Torah. But studying Torah with a tremendous joy. So there's different ways of learning Torah. You know, you can have a daily study where you do it out of a sense of obligation. You feel as a Jew, a Jew should learn Torah every day. You're tired, you're really not into it, you sit down, you force yourself. Like a lot of people do chitas. Got to do it. Can't go to sleep without doing it. So I'm going to read it quickly. You got to do your Rambam. You got to do your learning. It's like like things you got. And that's, there's a lot to say about studying when you don't want to and you're not interested in doing it anyways. That has a certain quality, certain spiritual properties. It affects certain things, but not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the yeshiva guys. When I say the yeshiva guys, I mean the guys who have devoted their lives to studying Torah. And these guys go into the yeshiva and they sit there and they have such joy in probing the delicate delicate aspects of Torah law, of it's like this and like that. And they argue with so much energy. And it says that you can look at their faces. You can think their life is dependent on these are hypothetical issues that will never even happen in their lives. And they discuss it with such energy and say, go, go to whoever hasn't been into, in the yeshiva world. Got to see this in the yeshiva world. You have it in Lakewood. You have it in, in Israel and Bnei Barak. And Torah study is their life. And there is a highest, there is a life. These people are doing enormous things for the world. Because where there is the joy in the learning. And and, and that simcha is causing above as well, God nursing from, 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 from the infinite source of wisdom, of divine understanding. And that's flowing into like the 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 back the backbone of the reasoning. Of why this is kosher, why this is not kosher, why this is permitted, why this the, it's the underlying milk that's feeding the emotions that's creating super robust emotions in God. And God's emotions are kicking. When God says it's forbidden or God says it's good, he really, really with, with all of his passion and all his desire wants the good and hates the evil. And then there's a full-fledged investment of God in the world. And that's the meaning. Not only who has made you be my brother, meaning you're touching down like in, 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 in a vague connection to the world, but nursing them from the breast of my mother. And, and again, that's dependent on our, just like making God be born in the world through thought, speech, and action. Torah study, as we discussed earlier, giving God an entranceway into the world, an investment into the world, is something that we have to do. And that's why the tzaddikim are called, um, they're, they're called God's brothers. They're bringing him down. 
but they're also bringing it. That's it's like the big brother or the big sister bringing the baby. Amazing. It's like the big sister bringing the baby to the mother to nurse. And you had that by Moshe. How do you like that? The way Moshe literally was that way. Yocheved, he had a little brother, and Moshe is the Torah, so it's really cool. So she, she Yocheved is the, uh, uh, Miriam is standing there, and she, and she says, "Should I go call you a nursing mother to nurse the baby?" And she's the one who brings the mother to nurse to the baby, Moshe, and she develops Moshe, the sister. So we're the ones who need to bring God as He manifests at the level called Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to his mother for milk. And how do we do that? Through Torah study. That's the milk. But in order for milk to be produced, it's the pleasure and the joy that's in the Torah study. It's that there is this energy and this excitement to study, to probe, to probe what this this passage of the Talmud says, and look in the Mefershim, and look at the Rosh, and look at the Ran, and read the Rajba, and read the Ritva, and then see the Ramban, and the argument between the Rambam and the Ravid, and the Kesavish, and the Lechamish. The truth is, for those who really, once you get into it, there's nothing as stimulating as Talmudic study. It's really unbelievable. For people who make it their lives and get into it, it's so engaging. And it really captivates. It's so exciting. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to be willing to work hard. It's not easy. It's intellectual work. It's brain work. It's a powerful. It's like being in the in the brain gym for hours a day. You're willing to pump your head, not get away easy with it. Sometimes you get stuck and you work it out again, and it hurts, and you get tired, and you don't want to exhaust your mind. You're exhausted, and then you come out with clarity, and boom! And there's such joy. nursing it's nursing God into a full-fledged it's unbelievable let's read it inside let's see again um, just like through nursing this God love lad the child grows in the 24 months of the birth nursing when she doesn't grow during the other any other period of his life and the growth that happens through the nursing is not at all within comparison to the growth in the other days of his life. Same is also So the same, now he's applying it to God in order that there should be a revelation of Havaya, which is the tetragrammaton, which is God's truth, not Elohim. Elohim is the droplet that he uses to create the world. No, Havaya, God as he is above creation should reveal himself lamata below the hainu. And how is that? From the initial state where God is above and beyond the world in a way where no thought can grasp him. So then he is outside of the universe, outside of the, of the, of the, of the, 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 the definitions of existence of creation. God is above the world. Steam of the cold steam, and when he is hidden from all hidden, he's utterly removed and above. So we want that he shouldn't remain like that because we want him to be involved, invested. We want him to become big, and we don't only want him to attach himself with a small little attachment. We want him to become from a little baby a big boy, 
We want him to become fully, fully grown up, fully emotionally developed. That he should reveal himself down here below. That our thoughts can be his thoughts, which means we want him to direct his thoughts into all the aspects of life. That he should have an opinion, and not just an opinion, he should have a an emotional attachment and, and a feeling towards all that goes on in the universe. He should take an interest, and a deep emotional interest, and, and, and that he should fill our thoughts with his thoughts, and our speech with his speech, and our actions with his actions, because he should be present down here. And that's also the hid. So that comes from Bina. The mother is Bina. And he says it's also hinted to in the word me. Me, we know is gematria. The, the word me is the numeric value of 50. So it's referring to the supernal aspect of Bina because Bina has 50 gates. Shamishim Shari Bina, the 50 gates of Bina. So the meaning of the verse is like this The mother is responsible for two things. The mother, first of all, gives birth to the child. And then the mother has to nurse the child. So we say, me, the level of bina, yitencha, it's not the simple meaning of me, yitencha, who will give that you should be my brother? How will, how can we get to that state? What can we do that that should happen? That's the simple meaning. The deeper meaning, me, which is bina, because bina again is in bina, this 58, so 50, me is 50. Me, yitencha, me will place you, will give you, will take God from the unknown to be a brother like to me. Through the Bina, through the divine mind, because Hashem first manifests as a little tiny droplet into Chachma. From Chachma it goes into Bina. And Bina has to open God up like a flower. Open him up. Fully, like the mother first developed the child in her, in her womb. And then eventually she gives birth to him. These are the emotions of God being fully burned, but the mother has to nurse these emotions. The level of me, which is Bina, is the one who does for me, for us, for all of us down here, for the Jewish souls in the universe. We don't want to be alone. We want our brother to be with us. We want God to live with us in this world. So the little sister says to the brother, she says, if only I can have you as my brother down here with me. So who will do that? Mom will do that. Me, Yitencha. Because Bina is the mother of us, of the soul. She's also the mother of HaKadosh Baruch, of God's manifest as a... Now, one of the qualities of mother, uh, he says, I, let me, I, I like to read it at least. I didn't look these things up, these, these places. Where over there, the Pirish is also not me, Yekemenu, who will get it up, but me, the level me, Yekemenu, will stand, will, will get her up. Me, Yerpelach, doesn't mean who will heal you, but me, the level me, Yerpelach, will heal you. That's how the Zohar translates. Hashem, me, Yamod, like we say, um, what's, the, what's the word over there? So the, the Zohar also learns over there, Adnami Yamod, not Mi Yamod. Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, Mi, together with Bina, Yamod, that's what will stand. What's that? 
over there as well, me will give. Not me yitain who will give, but the level bina, the level of me, which is bina, will give. Now the level called mother who mashal semecha. The mother called the level called mother is by way of analogy the concept of which it says in in Psalms the mother of the children is 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 joyous. simcha. The quality of the mother is the quality of joy. When you take a look and you think about joy, what's joy? Joy doesn't create anything new. In other words, joy is not yesh me'ayin. It's not something from nothing. You see, bina, let's understand it. Bina is not yesh me'ayin. Chachma is yesh me'ayin. Chachma is the first flash of an idea. There's nothing before that and now something is born from nothing. What does bina do? There's, a, there's already a, a point of chachma. There's already a concept. Bina fleshes it out. The same is also joy. Joy doesn't put anything new in the person. What joy does is whatever you have already, it expands you. It opens you up. It, it pumps the energy and it causes, like it turns the volume up. So everything is moving. Everything is much stronger. Everything is pronounced. The joy doesn't bring anything, no addition and nothing new. Hachayas of life. It causes the blood, the, 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 the energy flow, to flow in a more pumping way. At first, before the joy kicks in, things are kind of more subdued. And through the joy, through the joy comes an expansion. So that's the concept of through the yonek shteimi, to nurse from the mother means to add the joy into our Torah study. See, so far he didn't say anything about Torah study. He just said that the mother causes the 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 the, the baby to grow. He didn't say what. Later he's going to say that. I'm just I'm putting that in already here because it's a little. The other mimer, as I pointed last week, the the one from the in Mamare Admar Azakin is much more explained than this mimer. Here it's far more concentrated. So I'm filling you in, is that it's Torah study. And it seems like, again, my understanding is that it's Torah study with joy. It's not just learning Torah, but learning Torah with the joy. So you have the element of the milk is the, is the, is the, is the laws of the Torah, the subjects, learning the laws of Shabbos, learning the laws of, 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 of any type of laws of Torah. That's the milk. And as we study it, it's God learning Torah as well. The divine emotions, the level of a Kaddish Baruch was also studying Torah from his mother, and he's studying joyously when we study joyously, and that causes the expansion. And that's the reason also why we continue. And she says, Ashakech, I will give you to drink. Meyayin arekach, from spiced wine. What does that mean? Another element of Bina, besides Bina being, being, being the source of milk, Bina is the mother. Bina is also the source of Gevura. And that's why wine is in the side of Bina. We learned the Levim, the Levites, they sing when they pour the wine on the temple and they sing and the singing is a Bina experience, expansion. It's, it's a Gevura experience. 
So to add to this, what does wine do? Wine brings simcha. Wine brings joy. It's all on the same line. Milk, wine. You have it this week in the parsha. You have the, the blessing to shave at Yehuda. He'll have bloodshot eyes from wine. And white teeth. milk. So milk and wine is mentioned in the blessings of Yehuda this week. They're both related to Bina energies. And they both have the quality of joy and expansiveness. So what does it mean? I spoke so highly of Lakewood and of Mir and of uh, and this, but really you have to add Hasidus as well. Wine is the secrets of the Torah. The spiced wine. When you study the secrets of the Torah as well, that as well increases tremendously the joy. A lot of milk, you can have a lot of will. One shot of wine, a little lechaim, and boom, it like takes it to a whole new level. So mixing into the mix is not just learning Torah, the, the, the laws of Torah, but also the secrets of the Torah. All of this causes an amazing expansivity of the divine to be invested and engaged and involved in, the, in, 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 in creation. When wine goes in, secrets goes out. Again, something that was hidden and compressed comes out open. Which really means godly revelation. Bringing godliness from a concealed, hidden, abstract state into a manifest, tangible, revealed presence. And this is the meaning where the Torah says, so you see the enormous effect the Torah has in transmitting godliness into the world. The Torah, and obviously you need people to learn the Torah. It's the Jewish people with the Torah take God from above the universe and draw him into the world. That's why the Torah says, there's a verse in Mishlei and Proverbs where the Torah is talking about herself. And she says, I am, or I will, and I was, and I am, God's delight. Day by day, I am God's delight. I entertain before him. God delights in the Torah. And then it says, and I bring delight to people as well. What does that mean? There is the more abstract shashuyim, the, 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 the two shashuyim. I think the two shashuyim is the, what he says in the beginning. Shashuyim yoyimayim esachekes lefanav. Is the Torah where the Torah is completely in, a, in an utterly divine state above? But this causes God, since it, when God is besimcha, when God is joyous, when there is joy above, it causes him to reveal himself more into the creation. To manner. When there is a lack of joy above, then God too goes into suppression. Suppression means he, he becomes closed up into himself, withdrawn, and when he gets withdrawn, he gets withdrawn from the world. And that's not what we want. We want him fully, and the Torah causes him to come out. The Shashuya, yes, adam. 
that he brings delight into the world to people. And this is also the continuation of the verse which we say, I will lead you. I will bring you to my mother's house. In other words, first we said it in general. That what? That me, the level of me, Bina, is Yetanachad, makes you, brings God down into a state of Ka'achli, like brother to me. We bring, we, got, we cause God to touch, to touch down, to land in, into the world as, above, as opposed to being above it. And then Yoinek Shtayimi, and then we cause him to be developed into a full developed being within the cosmos, within the world. Giving him to drink spiced wine causes even a greater joy and a more of an openness and a more of an engagement. God is pouring his emotions into the world. And because this is the case, is what I want, I will lead you first to my mother's house. What is that? We said earlier that only through prayer, when we have that mysterious nefesh, when Shema, when we say the Shema, is that that reaches up beyond the universe and captures God from above and brings him into Chachma and into Bina. And that's the meaning. First I will bring you El Beisim into my mother's house. And then Tlamdeni you will teach me. What's Tlamdeni you will teach me? It's first landing God into Chachma and Bina and then pulling the mother Bina to deliver the milk lower down into the emotional state. First, we got to bring him down into the headquarters of the universe, of the spiritual universe. The first, bring him into the first two attributes, Chachma, and from Chachma into Bina. To the mother Bina. And afterwards, And then we draw God down into the world. From the level of mother and that he should come dwell in the lower worlds, he has to come down lower than Bina. That's through the emotions. He channels himself down, 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 down into, into creation. Okay, you will teach me. Bringing him into the mother. It's interesting. Now he's adding in more. The, 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 the mother's milk is the laws of Torah Shabbat. It's the laws of the oral Torah. But all the laws of the Torah are produced by the written Torah. Bina herself, the mother herself, that's, that's Bina, that's, that's the Torah itself, the written Torah, the, the scripture. Scripture is Bina herself. Her milk that she's feeding her baby, the emotions, is the oral Torah. All the laws of the Torah. So that's what what it means in in, in Shira Shirim. The two the, in this in this verse, it says, "I will bring you to my mother's house," which means I will first. God has to be brought down into the Torah, and once He descends into the Torah, into the written Torah, then we open it up to because what is the oral Torah? Opening up all the details and sub details. What are there in hinted to in these in these primary laws? That's the development of it more. So first, it's imi Torah Shabbat with Salam Deini, and then you teach me who pchenas Torah Shabbat Peh. That's the Torah Shabbat Peh. That's the oral Torah. So the order, what's happening over here is there's first prayer, and that causes the connection. 
Then you go, then you learn, you bring him into, you bring him into Torah by learning a little Chumash, a learning scripture, which is a good thing always to learn the first thing. Learn a little scripture, learn, learn the Parsha of the day. And afterwards, take him into serious Torah study. And when you take God into Torah, seriously, serious Torah study with joy, you're nursing the divine into a full, powerful, manifest, flowing, engaged, growing God as he is growing into the universe, into the world, taking interest, taking personal pleasure and passion and desire in everything that's happening within the now the people who do this, the people who accomplished this this tremendous feat of pulling God down into to a manifestate to have a home in this world, who construct, so to speak, a channel, a, a, a kind of almost like a body in which God can flow in, those are the tzaddikim. Because they're always doing God's will. They're always leading God into the world. They're the road builders. These are the tzaddikim, the righteous, they're called brothers, like a brother to me, like we said earlier. Shakal Avidasam, all of their service is Malmaila Lamata. All of the service is from up down. Lahamshik to draw down, to pull down. Vehain Mamshikim Dirasai Yizbarach Bitahtainim. And they're the ones who draw down God's dwelling in the lower worlds. They're the ones who bring down this dira for Hashem to come down into the world. Look in all these places. Okay. He says, Let me see if there's something that I missed. This is... Oh, here he brings that in the, in the different in the in the in the, in the actual um, handwriting of the Alter Rebbe, it says Ube Medrash Hirashirim be Pidish Kaochli Haina Ki Yosef LeBinyamin. So the Medrash says like Yosef to Binyamin, and now he, over here he, he makes the connection between Yosef and Binyamin and this idea. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure. Okay. And the second level. Remember we said that the whole mimer is here to explain. So this is the quality of the tzaddikim. Chapter 1. Now we're going to learn chapter 2. As great as the tzaddikim have, the, the balichuva, the penitents, 
have a quality that in some ways is much greater than the tzaddikim. And what is that? And the second level, is Bali Chuva. These are the, the penitents. And on this it says, the verse continues in Song of Songs, I meet you outside. I will find you outside. I will kiss you. They will not plunder me. They will not rob me. What does that mean? Because Baal Tshuva, which means people that have gone off and they have transgressed the Torah and the mitzvot and they've sinned and then at a certain point in their life they suddenly become aware of how far they've wandered and they turn their lives around and they want to connect back to Hashem. That's called the Baal Tshuva. But he's going to explain over here, you don't have to become a, a, a completely alienated from Judaism or from Jewish observance or violate the commandments intentionally or non-intentionally to be a Baal Even if someone who is all day learning Torah and doing mitzvahs can also be a Baal Because the notion of a Baal is someone who feels distant. The main idea that he's going to explain now, tzaddikim, they live a life of continuous divine channeling. Continuously attached to God. Brother, also in Hebrew, is the word attachment. They have non-stop attachment to God. They don't break the attachment. And that's wonderful. But it gets a little stale. Or does it get a little stale? Because a relationship in which there's nothing new, it's just continuous and continuous and continuous, is lacking a little sizzle. Even when it's God being your brother. The sizzle comes when there is a novelty. Excitement comes when there is a change. And that is when a person is able to make a transformation in their life, that's when it creates a, a a potency, a certain a certain burning. So usually people who live one way in their life, they live a certain lifestyle, they live in certain pursuits and in certain awarenesses, and suddenly they become they have this awakening. Something happens in their life, whether they're going through a midlife crisis or whether they experienced a shakeup in their universe. Or whatever it is that leads them to a connection, to a deeper, a deeper search in their life. And when they find it and they connect, there's a certain zealousness, there's a certain energy, there's a certain intensity that the tzaddik doesn't have. Because they feel that they need to run away from the far and they have to come back close. And that is going to explain, excites and triggers in the supernal source, much higher than the tzaddik. The tzaddik is pulling God, but from a more external, he's reaching the infinite, the tzaddik, but from the more external element of the infinite, the balchuva, the penitent, because there is the far, the distance, and there is the desire to overcome that distance, there is a potency, a, a, a depth, and a, and, a, and a yearning coming from a more 
deeper. It's like an eruption. It's coming from a from a much stronger place within. The Zohar says the quality of the Baal is it's with added vigor. It triggers and it pulls God from a much higher place. It's also connected to the fact that the Baal is transforming his dark side. Tzadik doesn't have a dark side. And the dark side is related to the forces of Tohu. The tzaddik comes from the world of tikkun, which we discussed last night in the class I gave last night. I gave uh, quite an explanation on the tikkun. Tikkun is a much, it's a trickle of God's light. Um, it, or and if it's not a trickle, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much weaker channel, subdued channel. Toe is the initial powerful, intense lights that shattered and end up in the dark elements in a person's life. So the animal vivifying soul when it takes over a person, but then as something cracks and breaks and the person suddenly shifts over, the excitement is really is going to explain is more in the animal soul because the godly soul really is never disconnected. Even when a person is sinning, the godly soul is quietly still connected. It's the animal consciousness that has gone so far that suddenly has this whole new shakeup and it gets excited about that triggers very high, very high. And that's why the Balchuva reaches way beyond where the tzaddik reaches. The problem with the Balchuva is because the Balchuva is not consistent, he has these moments of intense awakening and fiery flashes. He, he shoots the fireworks. But he's not consistently living every moment in accordance to the, in, 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 in oneness, in synchronization with God. He has intense excitement, but not, therefore, he shakes up a storm in the heavens above, but he doesn't channel it down. Creates commotions of explosive lights and and, and, and triggers the excitement, but it doesn't have where to manifest. It's not dira betachtona. It's not a home in this world. A home in this world has to happen through the tzaddik. But the tzaddik is bringing from a more superficial level of God. So the only way to, to have the cake and eat it too is to have a tzaddik who becomes a balchuv. When tzaddikim will be balchuv, we're going to have both. That's where the maimer is going to. We're going to have this intense yearning and this intense light, and it's going to manifest completely in the world. And that's Mashiach. That's where the maimer is going. So let's read inside. In a balichuva, because the penitent in alaveres dafkes, not only on sins, kiim gam al mishu nifrad, also on someone that gets separated, the einoi bebchines eslavos, and quiets down from his excitement. Meaning to say, even someone who prays every day and 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 serious prayer, and gets excited and wants to wants an attachment to the infinite, to God, to the source. However can't maintain that state. He's a businessman or a working person, or even if you're a, a, a righteous, a, a person who's a tzaddik, who's a, a, but still to a certain degree, you have to tend to your own physical needs. During the time you're tending to the physical needs, you kind of dis- step away from the excitement. You're not focusing completely on the ultimate divine truth, which causes a certain dampening and a certain weakening. And when you realize what happened to me, where did I go? I went into darkness. And then you're returning. There is a sizzle there. 
which is not felt by someone who is just 24-7 connected. And when the person is in a state during the time that you step away from God, you're not in a state of excitement, of, of fiery or fiery attachment. Because business people, they're not in a constant state of being attached to God. They set times to study Torah. So on them, they, you can't say on them that they are channels 24-7 to God. They only set certain times to Torah study. When the person returns back from his engagement, from his involvement with worldly affairs, Lilmo to go back to Torah study, Nikra Tshuva. That's called tshuva. Because what does tshuva mean? Returning. And they're returning from being distant. Obviously, it also applies to someone who's, God forbid, taken their soul into the darkest corners of the of, of the universe. Through sin and the like. Of course it applies to them. But you don't have to do that to be about tshuva, the altar of the the person is returning from the distracted state. They were they turned around to take care of their needs. Not bad. They had to take care of their needs. But during that time, they could not focus on the ultimate divine truth. But the quality over here is, so why did God set us up that way? That we have to separate. The Rebbe once explained in the talk, why is it that God set us up that we have to sleep? And the Rebbe's answer is the same answer like here. Because a constant attachment would never be the same. There has to be an interruption and then there can be start again and there's an excitement. But, it's, but similar to this, it's, 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 you know, you can see it's connected to this idea. So the, the reason God set up also that certain times we have to go away so that we can come back with extra vigor. And that creates a greater excitement the yeser se'es, with added, with added vigor, this, the words yeser se'es comes from this week's parasha. The blessings to Ruvain. Or rather we should say the blessing rebuke to Ruvain. Yaakov says you should have been greater than your brothers, but you're not because, and he says yeser se'es, you should have had more than your brothers. Those words he uses. So over here, nasa goydolus paulus be yeser se'es, even more. Me'im loya oisik alma. The excitement when one opens up the Talmud, when opens up the Gemara, when one sits down to learn again after they've missed a couple of hours and they feel they've gone into silliness and now they're going back. Alter Rebbe had Hasidim who sat and learned 24-7, like all day long. And yet some of them had to go work. And those people, when they came back, they would run with excitement and grab the book open and throw it open and dive into it. The people that are learning all the time don't have such an excitement. If you would not have first worked in, 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 the, in, in matters of the world. Because in truth, the, the angels are missing this. Because angels never fall from their level. And because angels never fall from their level, they're lacking the sizzle. Because in angels, then they stand, they stand in the heights of the world. What does it mean that they are standing? Standing meaning they're stationary. They're always on one level. 
because they never get distracted, they're always in a state of surrender to God, there's nothing to excite them. What should they change to? If they're already in a state of nullification, what are they changing to? Because excitement comes from change. When there is no change and there is a constant, there's no excitement. Where there is a change that creates the, the, um, the, um, where there is a change of the substance of where you are that creates the excitement. And that's the quality of why humans have over angels because we do fall. We're not always. And everybody to a certain degree. Even tzaddikim can have moments of separation. But when a person is engaged in business, when you come back towards a, towards a, towards a, towards a communion with God, a person has a change of direction in which a person, at first one was engaged and involved in worldly things. And then you turn around to run back to study Torah, especially when you know what Torah is, being channeling the infinite, to study Torah, there, there is an extra, an extra energy, there's an extra spice there. And even though the excitement is only in the vivifying soul, because the godly soul has always been attached. It's, it's a godly soul. It, the, main, the main change is happening in the, in the part of us that's more, you know, gets, gets farvandled, gets, far, you know, far, 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 uh, farchapt, gets um, entangled. However, even though it's the vivifying soul, which is not the godly soul that gets excited because of it's been distant, but it's very high. Actually, it's higher because of the toe element. And here he doesn't say so much that, but in the Tzemach Tzedek he added that. But there's another element. It's all connected. The broken pieces of tohu end up in klipa and sitra achra, and including the animal soul, which is part of the which is part of the other side, and gets gets caught up in the other side. And the sages say a very powerful state. The Zohar says that when the other side gets subdued to holiness, when the sitra achra, which means the other side, the side of darkness, bends and yields to holiness, it triggers. God on a very, very high level. Istalik, so the Zohar says, Kadeskafya Sitra Akra. When the Sitra Akra is subdued, the Zohar says, Hulu doesn't finish it over here. Istalik Yakari the Kuchibirichu. The glory of God rises in a very high level. Above, above. Simply it means it rises, means it goes farther away. It rises. The glory of God just rises. But the the way Hasidism explains it is when the, the other side is subdued, is broken, or something is transformed from the dark side and gets pulled into holiness, that means the other side gets weakened and holiness gets stronger in a manner of something new. That is very entertaining. That, that causes a great thrill in the levels of the infinite. 
in the levels of the divine that are above and beyond the universe, usually not engaged, are usually completely outside, above taking an interest in the world. A deeper part on God, if so to speak. And that level is called istalic. It's removed from the world. Istalic means removed. But when we say now it's istalic, doesn't mean it becomes further removed. It means the that which is removed now engages, now becomes engaged and evolved. It takes an interest. It is drawn down. What does that mean? That a far greater, infinitely higher godly energy is now present in the world, is drawn into the creation. And all the worlds are illuminated with light that we've never seen. Balchuvas are the ones who trigger these, 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 these intense lights. Sadikim don't do that. Sadikim pump the, the normative channels they, because they're not fighting so much darkness. They're no more converting. There isn't the, the subduing of the other side so much. The Balchuvas, those who allow themselves, and which again, according to the Alter Rebbe, we don't have to talk about extreme Balchuva, extreme sinner who does Chuva. Of course, an extreme sinner that becomes a Balchuva Rabbi Lazar ben Derdaya, the Tzemach Tzedek in the Mimer, that is a commentary on this discourse, says, when it says the Balchuv is greater than biggest Sadikim, Rabbi Lazar ben Derdaya, who passed away after he sinned every sin in the world, and he started crying, and he died that way, from his crying and his weeping, the Tzemach Tzedek says, who is he greater, from Abraham? And the Tzemach Tzedek, yeah, he's greater than Abraham. He's touching higher lights than Abraham. Avram was a Tzedek. Imagine, higher than, when we say greater than Tzedekim, we mean even higher than Avram Avinu. In terms of triggering like the deepest light, there's a whole lot of darkness was converted there. When the other side is subdued, it arouses in that very high place from what, what does he explain? From that which was initially in a high removed state, the istalik the kutra and the glory of God that is elevated above above ahainu. What does that mean? From that level of God where God was removed from the universe and the creation, that is triggered and drawn down. It's like where it says in the Zohar that in the time of exile, God retracts and removes himself from the world to be above the world. As we said, the time of the temple, God is more invested and, 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 and imbued in the creation. The time of exile, God is less re- involved. He's more withdrawn into himself, higher above. Yet every time we subdue the dark side, we trigger so high, and from the withdrawn heights, that light comes down. And it could be a lifetime of a tzaddik. A lifetime of a tzaddik of pumping mitzvahs and godliness into the world, bringing God's thoughts and speech and action into this world cannot compare to the one powerful tsunami 
that the tshuva, that a real tshuva affects. Because it's it's touching levels that the tzaddik can't never ever get. That's the meaning. The place that the baltshuva stands, which means dependent, it reaches. The perfect tzaddik can't reach that place. It's a whole other level. So, Shenestalik is explaining the concept of salik le'ela le'ela. By the way, this piece over here is the source. I'm not saying it's the only source, but it's definitely one of the sources for Basi Lagani. In the famous Mimer Basi Lagani, there he's explaining how the work in the Mishkan that we learn now, there's the season, we're beginning to prepare for Yuchvat, and Yuchvat is all about Basi Lagani, where over there it explains how to build the Mishkan, you have to use Shittim wood. Shittim wood means you build it from Shtus, from the Yet Sahara, because the Skafya Sitra Akhar, because you have to subdue the other side, and when you subdue the other side, he brings the Zohar, the God's glory rises above. And everybody understands this always to mean that God's glory rises above. But Chasidah says, and this is in the, in the Rebbe's Mimer, when the Rebbe became Rebbe, the first parak of the Mimer, he's explaining this. That when it says, it does not mean, I'm trying to think if the Rebbe's first parak or the Friediger Rebbe's first parak in the Mimer, that it doesn't mean Estalik, that he goes away. We don't want him to go away, rise above. It means the, the light that is in a state of aboveness, that light is drawn down. And that's the source of it is over here. He's saying over here that estalic means that which is in a state of aboveness and that which is a state of withdrawal from the place of the withdrawal it draws down. What does that mean? The revelation was retracted back into God's essence. And when it goes into God's essence means into a non-defined, non-expressed, non, non-graspable state. It goes into a, a complete state of hiddenness. From its very elevated heights while it is still, while it is absorbed in the essence, from the essence we draw it down. When we draw it down, we draw it down with a chunk of the essence. That's the point. We draw we draw the whole thing down. From that very high place should come the revelation. And the flow down. That's what the Balchuva does. And the tzaddik doesn't do. The Alter Rebbe is just saying. I realize that everybody can always do tshuva because there's always moments you step away. So from the mo- take advantage of the stepping away moment and come back with an excitement. And that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna have this quality that the Balchuva has that the tzaddik doesn't have. This idea of the, the power of the Balchuva that that comes from comes from the darkness comes from the interruption of the connection that's the point the reason the balchuva touches so high is because he's there is an intensity there's a yearning because of the disconnect there's a greater yearning and that greater yearning is a stronger magnet so it pulls from a higher place 
this idea is going to explain is really the whole concept of exile. In the ultimate scheme of things, the reason there is always an exile is just to create the interruption so that we can have a return with a greater vigor and we can pull God down from a higher place. That's the whole exile. And he says it happened twice in history. It happens all the time in the various levels, but in, in terms of general, twice. In the Egyptian exile was the first, that's, that's this week's parsha. the Jewish people enter into exile. God, Jacob is blessing them before he passes away and coming into a dark period of 210 years of immense darkness. The reason, like God is having such a beautiful relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they finally have a family. Things are going good. Why mess it up? The answer is God says, there's no romance here. There is, there, it's stale. I don't like it. I'm going to make it dark and, 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 and separate, and you're not going to feel me. You're going to go crazy in the darkness, and you're going to yearn for me. And when you yearn for me, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to give you the Torah. And the Torah means I'm going to give you myself, which I haven't given to the fathers, because they didn't have this level of yearning. And, and that lasted for about a thousand years, the return of God to us. And then God says, that was only a little, a little trial. Now we're going to do it much deeper. I'm going away for 2,000 years. I'm going to hide and hide and hide. And then I'm going to come back. But then it's going to be the real deal. Why? It's all about creating this tshuva experience. He makes it, for behold, it says, says, speaks about the redemption of Mashiach, the incredible prophecies regarding the up-and-coming redemption. It says, as the days you went out of Egypt, I will show you wonders. And this is, So what is it saying? It's comparing the, the current redemption that we're going to experience any moment to the previous redemption. Just like in the days of Egypt, I showed you wonders, I will show you again wonders. The word wonders is the godliness that's above the creation. The infinite godliness. God as he is above, above the universe, above, that's called wonders. Because it's incomprehensible, it's unknowable, it's supernal darkness. It's above it all, it's a pellet, it's the wonders. It's higher than the mind, higher than any conception. We will see it now like we saw it by Egypt. But the common denominator is they both come after a long period of concealment. Why do you need a concealment? Because you need to yearn for it to be able to connect it. Only the yearning and the darkness creates this, the space which creates the intensity, the sizzle that is needed to create it. So each person, every person has dark moments in their life on their own individual level and then there is a, an exp- a communal experience where the entire world goes through the darkness as a preparation for the light. It's just like by the giving of the Torah. What was the main point of the giving of the Torah? An incredible intimacy, an incredible closeness. The it says, face to face, God spoke way above him, speaking to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was so intimate, so powerful. There was a divine revelation above, below. Bipchinas panim in a level of face. And face also means the innermost of God was revealed. 
In order for that to happen, the first there had to be a concealment of God, which was Golos Mitzrayim, the exile of Egypt. Redushana, 210 years. In order that the Jewish people should cry out for revelation, which is what brought about they should be able to be face to face. Over there, he explains it's like you know I, I, the, the, the example I love to give, and like that's why right seconds before the redemption it gets even darker. Over there, he's explaining why next week's Torah portion Shemos it says right before the redemption when Moshe comes already reveals it got so dark, so dark, and the water and 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 and, and Moshe cries to God, why have you done bad to your people? Why have you done bad to your people? Moshe cries out to Hashem, why have you done bad to your people? And God says, now you will see. What's the answer? The Alter Rebbe, it doesn't literally, I think, I'm not sure if he says it, but that's, it could be, but the, I remember when I taught this mimer way back still in Beis Betzal and Pico, the example then was at the time when the tsunami happened in India, in, the, in Indonesia. Remember that story? So people were out there in the beach and they, was, they were marveling at something amazing. They woke up in the morning and they saw that the beach was suddenly empty and they saw fish laying in the sand and they saw like, you know, they, 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 people went to resorts, these beautiful resorts that are right by the water and take them in. And lo and behold, they, they didn't realize before the waters come out powerfully, they first recede very, very far back. And then the massive wave comes out like credibly. So when God is coming to release a tsunami of divine revelation, there's first a powerful suction. This explains this year. Not just this year. It explains from 19, from 2020. COVID, this whole last five, four or five years, and I, I, I was warning, I was saying that. 2020, I was saying, put fasten your seatbelts, we're going to be going through. I didn't expect it to be so dark, but this is what, what we're expecting. This year especially, Shemcha's Torah. It's like, like, like we spoke so much about Mashiach, like what's going on? Don't get fooled by the darkness. It's this powerful inhaling before the exhale is going to come. Like never before. So we've had a terrible exile. And we've had, and seconds before, the concealment becomes enormous. It's nothing less than a concealment. Everyday soldiers were, were seeing faces of beautiful young men sadly being killed. You wonder, where is God? Why? It bothers me so much. We learned today in Chumash that when the tribe of God would go out and fight, they all would come back. Not one of them would die. Today's Chumash, first right in the beginning. And why? And Every day, the numbers keep on going higher and higher. It's divine concealment. Because we're so there. I hope God fills his lungs quickly. He doesn't have to go further in. Because we've had enough already. But this is the idea we're learning over here. And he says, And the same was also by When the first temple was destroyed, then there was a short concealment. 70 years. But the main one is Vishani, and the second one, 
What goes on during the exile is that God retracts and removes his manifest presence from the world. And he retracts above, above Bibchenas Hester into a state of concealment. What's the intention of the concealment? That we should ache, that we should yearn. Because we don't have the light, we desire him so much. Lamaila above. Like a father with a son. When the father wants to intensify his the child's love to him, the father will play hide and seek. The father will hide. And the little child feels bewildered and scared. And they're running around crying for their father. And then the father comes out and the child is like, wow, runs into the father's arms. When the father hides from the child, the child cries out to go up to his father. That's the will of the father that the son should desire. The father sees the son is happy. To, see what happens is the father sees that the three-year-old is happy playing with his toys. The father knows that the three-year-old can't be without the dad. But the child is distracted. He's not paying attention to the dad. But the dad wants that the child should play with him. Should really be. So what does he do? He hides. The child gets terrified, cries. And, and when they see their Abba, their daddy, their father, they go running with such yearning, with such desire. And that was the reason the father hid in the first place. So the whole hiding is to get us to yearn with a deeper yearning. Now this has to be understood on a personal level, each and every one of us with God, and on a communal collective level. Ayin Bahisafis. Can't leave this one out. Let's see what he says over here in Bahisafis. Um, so now he turns it back to a, a personal level. Same is also from the concealment that happens that in a person's own daily routine. That there is a time when you study Torah, when you study Torah and you pray and you're close. And then life is d- designed in a way that we have to break away from our connection to God to take care of our material needs. And that creates distance and that creates separation and interruption. That creates a greater excitement, which in turn causes the other side to be broken. And the person awakens from the levels of God that have retreated above, above, that that higher, deeper level should reveal itself below And this is the meaning I meet you outside. Outside means when you step away from me and you go outside of holiness. 
you go outside of divine consciousness, you go into a dark place, but then what happens when we meet outside after you didn't see me? Then we experience a divine kiss. And what's the kiss? The kiss is when, when a Jew goes back to learning Torah after he's separated, he's not just speaking the words of God. He's kissing God with a passionate kiss. And in the passionate kiss, there's like a person passionately kissing another person, their, their spouse. The, the, the two souls, the two, the two, the, the two um, 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 their, their, their energies, their, their spirit, their souls bond together and they can't get enough of each other. And this is the idea that God says, it's nice when you learn Torah and you're speaking my words, but I don't want that. I want you to grab my mouth and kiss me with an intense kiss. That can only come when we're separated. And that's the meaning. When I meet you outside, that's already a kiss. I When you're outside, that's the Baal Tshuva. I am Pashas Achre, Daf Ayin Ches, Moelad is Bais, Moelad is Chutz, but Pashas Teldes, Kufme Malaf, Beis Chachmas Bechutz, and the Lois Cheshulchadon. Okay. By a day Zenasa, a Shakha, this creates a kiss. Chenes Neshikin, a kiss is Tapkis, Rucha Berucha. It causes a spirit to spirit to cleave with each other. And therefore, when we say Baruch Ata Hashem, blessed are you, God, I am pulling you with all my energy. I want you so badly to reveal yourself to me. Ah, however, it doesn't have to be that it's two different modes. Till, till now we spoke, there is tzaddikim. Their quality is there is no peace in their life that they're standing outside. Everything in their life is consistent with divine flow. And then the Rabbit, but they're lacking the, the, the excitement, the deeper excitement. Then there are the Balchuvas, the people who wander off, and they have intense returns, but they're lacking the consistency. This is what King Solomon is saying in, in, in the Song of Songs. If only you can be like my brother, and also I can meet you outside. If only we can that we can have both together. You can be like my brother. And that I meet you outside. To have them both simultaneously. There should be the attachment of the tzaddik and the balchuva, of the perfectly righteous and the balchuva. How can it be both? It doesn't only mean that there should be a community of both. That's one level. The Jewish people have both. But on a deeper level is that every person has both. Like the statement of the Zohar says, the quality of what Mashiach is going to do. Mashiach is going to cause tzaddikim to turn around and to do tshuva. Moshiach is going to cause tzaddikim to experience tshuva on the highest level. Unlike the advice of the sages, that a person all their life should be in tshuva. That means tshuva is not a one-time event after you've been distant. But all your life, that means even if you're a tzaddik and everything, you can still do tshuva. What does that mean? 
that the tzaddik should also do true. How can that be? See, a tzaddik is in a constant state of surrender and nullification to God, so he's always attached. But within that surrender, there are moments in which it's more intense and moments that it's a little more superficial. And on those moments where the bittel is a little more superficial, a little more external, because they're not so deeply focused, for that they have to, they can do tshuva. In other words, more subtle, but, but that too can be considered a distance. Like during prayer, their connection is deeper than when they're not praying. So during the time that they're not praying, and when they come back in prayer, they feel like a Balchuva as well. And now you reach that level of Bittu. This is, this is the Tshuva of the Tzaddik. And now he's going to explain the last words of the Zohar. I'm sorry, of the verse. The verse says, I'll meet you outside. Um, they also will not plunder me. What does that mean? As a result of this combination of the tzaddik and the balchuva joining together, then I will not be plundered anymore. What does that mean? With all the divine flow of energy flowing into the universe, there is always a problem. And that is that some of the energy gets usurped by by the unholy. That has always been the problem. We channel godly light, but that, that which is wicked and evil in the world also gets some of the crumbs. And, the, and they thrive as well. It's always dangerous when you bring when you're bringing in the when you're bringing in a flow a a a, a infusion that might go into the wrong places. So he says an amazing thing. When you only have the service of the balchuva, balchuva for themselves, or the service of tzaddikim by themselves, in both cases there could be a yanika sachitzonim, a flow of energy to the bat, to the wrong side. But when you join both of them together, the tzaddik and the balchuva together, that creates a certain, a certain, um, uh, a certain uh, dynamic that clogs all the holes. And the reason for that is, doesn't explain too much. I'm gonna, I'm going to give my part of it. I did see, and part of it, I'm giving my own interpretation. It says in Hasidus, in many places, we learned that there are two places where there is a leak, where the where the where the divine energy flows down the wrong channels. One is from the very, very bottom, bottom, bottom of the chain. As God infuses life to the worlds of holiness, and the entities of holiness, holy angels, celestial beings, and so on. And then at the time of the temple, for instance, the energy flows to the, to the temple, to the Jewish people. And then from there, it starts to trickle out to the world until it gets to the real, real, real dark places in the world. That's called from the bottom, 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 from the end, the end, the end of the chain. 
That's one place they take from. Another place they can take from is they circumvent the entire chain and go to the infinite. Because the infinite level is indiscriminate. Because God is still aloof and not not so not so particular about the creation because he's not interested, so to speak. He's above it all. If they can somehow climb up high, and there are methods that they have, proven methods of how do they get up there, they can kind of plug, stick their antennas in on that high place and take from that infinite source. And therefore, when the tzaddik does his service and the tzaddik causes an increased influx of divine flow flowing into the world, it's it's flowing through the system. That's the whole point we learned that tzaddik does. He brings God into the manifest system. So it's great and holiness is enriched, but there's more energy that will also flow to the unholy. True, they're getting from the bottom. But the bottom will also have a lot. If there's such an intense flow, even the farthest places will get a lot. So they will also be intense. So there is a there is a downside to the to the to the to the energy, to the Torah mitzvahs that we bring into the world, because even that can cause Yenika Sachitzon. Especially if the tzaddik does even the tiniest little miss thing that, that causes leakages in these flow. That, that makes it even worse. Now, the Balchuva. Balchuvas don't ha- cause this leakage down here below because they don't draw down that much. The reason they don't draw it down because they don't have those channels built. But the Bolshevists intensify the energy above above the above creation. They create a storm up there of divine excitement. So there's spillover from above the whole system, and that can even be even a bigger mess. So each one has its 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 possibility for Yanika Sachitzonim. But when you combine Tzaddik and Balchuva, you're you're protected. Why? Because when the divine essence that the Balchuva shakes up is drawn down here through the Tzaddik, because the Tzaddik is also doing Tshuva. So he's triggering the Ein Sof, but he's funneling him into the system. When God himself is present in the world, and it's not just his energy, not just his flow, number one, it's not from from up there. It's cut, it's it's cut off. Why is it cut off from up there? Because it's not being left up there. In its, it's not like a storm being left. An energy, a, 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 a an intense, powerful energy that doesn't have direction. The tzaddik is channeling it down, and it's flowing through the channels of holiness. So it's not unprotected energy that was just created up there. That if it's if it's if it's just floating in the in the in the cosmos somewhere. That they that they can that they can they can they can stick their their antennas in or plug into it. You can't. 
So you're avoided when the when the when when the when the tzaddik is taking the tshuva energy and flowing it into the tzaddik world. There's no yenika sachitzonim from above. There's also no yenika sachitzonim from below because when it's only when there is a a measured flow that that measured flow eventually flows out out out. But when it's Hashem Himself coming down, the the clippers can't can't touch it. Something like that. Let's see if let's see if we Zan through this year called Dinan Misabramina. All judgments, which means all all um unholiness, all negativity will be removed from her. There is no grasp for the chitzonim, for the external forces. They can't rob me anymore. As the sages say, if the Jewish people, and when the Jewish people do tshuva, we are redeemed. The redemption is involves the drawing of God down into the world, the home in this world, and also that the un the 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 unholy has become de deactivated because they have no more energy anymore. Sheikara Hester, because their main power is Mahmas the Istala Kuchabrihuliela. The main concealment is because God is in general, not just what they have power. The reason there is concealment during exile is because God is above the world. He's hidden. He removes, he retracted him to himself. And valyadeya tshuva, and through the tshuva, mo'oyderliyas is galus lamata. Tshuva draws God down to be revealed below. And that's why it also says, u'tshuva u'tfila u'tzedaka. Tzedaka is tzaddik and tshuva. Tfila and tzedaka is tzaddik. Tshuva is the bal tshuva. And it's both. Mavir and Esroya Akzeira, we say it on, on Rosh Hashanah. What's the, that remove the badness of the decree? What's the badness of the decree? The exile. Tshuva, it's the unification of Tshuva and Tfilah and Tzedakah. The Tzaddik doing Tshuva all together. The Tzaddik and the Bal Tshuva together. Which isn't the case when each one is standing individually. When they're all individual, then we don't have the same kind of a power. There's this channel and there's that channel, but it's not bringing it all down from the highest, deepest place, fully manifest down here without the possibility of any leakages happening. With this, we conclude this very special and beautiful Maimah. Stay tuned. Next week is going to be really special because it's going to be Thursday night. It's going to be the Alter Rebbe's yard site. The day of the passing of the Alter Rebbe. And we hope to be learning something very special and maybe doing a special Fabring and we'll see how we'll make it happen. So make sure to tune in next week, Thursday night to the channel. Everybody be well.